The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name's Kayla. Since I was a kid, it has always been on my heart to help other kids. I saw the need at 12 years old, kids who didn't have a home, kids who just needed a place to be safe, to have a warm meal, to have family that just unconditionally loved them. And I knew God was calling me to open my home to foster care. When I got married, I turned 21, my husband and I talked about it, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. My husband and I were very young, didn't have any kids of our own, so parenting was new. We were scared at first of behaviorals and the kids we might get. We have definitely grown throughout our foster care experience in learning what it means to love unconditionally, no matter what they're bringing in, no matter what they're getting into at school, just loving them. We really saw the grace that God gives us and needed to give them that extra grace. I think the hardest part about being a foster parent is when the child has gone through their deepest, darkest thoughts and they're sobbing from everything that they had just experienced and you, all you can do is just sit there. You can't fix it, you can't solve anything. You just sit there and listen to all of the pain that they're carrying, the hurts that they're carrying. But through that process, we're the ones that are there, just there to listen. And that's what they need. They wanna be heard. But are we hearing? Do we hear the needs and the hurts of our community? One of the most invisible and unheard needs in our community is vulnerable children coming from uh, broken homes or uh, homes where things are not stable and healthy. And that crisis has been exacerbated as a direct result of the pandemic. Why? Because you have an increase in all kinds of crises in the home, right? Like uh, domestic violence and child abuse. You have an increase in drug addictions and drug abuse. And so what that does is it puts more kids into the foster care system, a foster care system that already was um, in some ways overloaded, meaning more kids than we have foster families to care for them. And so then the pandemic comes along and now we have a rising number of kids that need care. And I don't wanna just stop there. I wanna lean in a little further to kind of give you a little insight into what that crisis means uh, for kids that are in care. Because the reality is, I, I made some little notes here re regarding uh, how kids in foster care connect to other crises in our community. Here, here's the thing. Children in foster care and then kids who age out of the foster care system, meaning uh, they go all the way through and then they have no permanent home to call home, no family to call uh, family. And so they basically like graduate from the foster care system with no support systems, all right? So here's some statistics for you. Of people who are victims in human trafficking, particularly sex trafficking, 60% of them were in the child welfare system. Meaning they were involved in some way, they were connected to the child welfare system, 60%. Of those that are homeless, 50% of them were in some way or another involved in foster care. 
Um, kids that are, go through the foster care system are seven times more likely to begin to abuse drugs. And by the time a child reaches 17 years old, if they've been in the foster care system, they're um, 50%, 50% of them will have been in the criminal justice system. For kids that were in five different placements or more, 90% of them will be in the criminal justice system. What am I getting at? What I'm getting at is that these kids are significantly more vulnerable to being taken advantage of, abused, end up being trafficked, um, abusing drugs, ending up in the criminal justice system, all that at a beginning point was no fault of their own. And so you've got this incredibly vulnerable population without, it, without the necessary support system. Uh, of kids that are involved in or go through the foster care system, only 3% will end up getting a college education. So it, at some point, at least hopefully when you hear this, it kind of breaks your heart and goes like, man, this is, this is a problem. This is a crisis. What are, what are we going to do about it? Well, exactly. Because here's at least the first thing, right, that we got to begin to listen and lean in and recognize the crisis all around us. And, and I know you, if you've been coming to LifeHouse for a while, you've probably heard a message about this. You've heard us talk about this. Um, LifeHouse Frederick, we want to say welcome, but we want to also introduce you to one of the areas that we're passionate about, that we believe the church needs to do something about. But the church, you know, it's not a building, right? It's not a theater. It's not a, a, a rented space. It, it's people. And the church is a family, a community of faith. And, and our responsibility is to fling wide our doors and invite new people. And we're, we're a church that is for our city, which means we lean in and we listen to the needs and the crisis in our city and this is one of those key needs. And so then we ask the question, well, what can we do about it? The essential thing is I want you to know that there is something we can do about it. And that something involves you. Now, please, before you just check out, I mean, think, okay, Patrick's talking about foster care. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna do that. But, you know, or maybe you can't get involved in some way or another. Well, then, so you might be likely to, ch to just check out of me. Well, first I wanna give you a message from the Bible that will be relevant to your life, but then I wanna connect the dots to foster care, all right? So I wanna lean in a little bit. There's a, there's a uh, written by Dr. Luke. He does this investigative account of the life and teachings of Jesus, and it's recorded in the Bible called Luke, and We've been focused on chapter four, where Jesus is beginning his formal ministry. He comes back to his hometown of Nazareth. He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he's invited uh, to read a passage of scripture and then offer some commentary. He's handed the scroll of Isaiah, and he opens it up to where it's written, and I'll read to you uh, the passage that he read. He read this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so we've been looking at these different um, statements that Jesus was expressing as his mission and his message. And today we're going to focus in on this final statement of to proclaim 
the year of the Lord's favor. Well, after Jesus finishes reading this, he, he rolls the scroll back up, he hands it back to them, and then he begins to offer his commentary. And in that, he, he says this, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. And then he goes on to say that this message and this mission is for the outsiders, not just the insiders. It's not just for the religious elite. No, um, uh, the liberty for those in captivity, freedom for the prisoner is very much for those who, who, are, who feel unwanted, unloved. They don't feel like they belong. And in many ways, they, they're, they're locked up or they're hidden away. He goes, my message and my mission is not for the elites. It's not for those who feel chosen, who are already the insiders. No, I've come to reach people who are far from God. I've come to reach the broken and the hurting, the, the people who are outsiders. I'm gonna invite them to be insiders. But as he was sharing this, this was his commentary, people got angry. In fact, it, it reads this way, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Why? Because they're the insiders. They're already you know, they're already the chosen. They see themselves as the elite. They got up and they drove him out of the town and they took him to the brow of a hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But it says, then he turned and he walked through the crowd and he went on his way. And it's this moment where Jesus is rejected in his own hometown. He's rejected so that we could be accepted, so that we could be invited home. In fact, the whole kind of uh, principle that just jumps out of this moment in Jesus' life is this. You are invited and you are welcomed home to a life that is better than ever. Jesus was rejected so that you could be welcomed home into a life that is better than ever. When Jesus is concluding his reading, he reads this part that says um, that, you know, he basically, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because I have come to proclaim, and he concludes it by reading, the year of the Lord's favor. I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which um, is, is this idea of the year of Jubilee. When, when the author Isaiah was writing that, he, was, he had the year of Jubilee in mind, which doesn't mean much to you, but in, in ancient times, it was one year every 50 years where debts were canceled. Slaves were freed. Land was returned to its original owner. And people had a year of rest. The land rested and people rested. And that sounds great. But he wasn't just, Jesus wasn't just reading this saying, I've come to give you a year of rest or a year where slaves are freed and, and debts are canceled. No, no, this, this isn't just about one year. This is about a new life. As if the year of Jubilee lasted your whole life and into forever life, Jesus was saying, I've come to proclaim a new way of life where the slaves are freed, where the debts are canceled, where things are restored back to the way they were before they were broken, meaning a life better than you've ever experienced before. And so he's saying, I'm gonna welcome you home. I'm being rejected so you can be accepted. And so and in this place, Jesus is really talking about being fully known and fully loved. That you're, you're welcomed home and you belong in God's favor. You belong in a place where you are loved by God, fully known 
and fully loved. How do we, how do we experience it? I mean, I want that, but I don't feel like any of us live that, right? Here, here's, here's usually what we choose. We, we choose to be fully known, but then we don't feel fully loved. We feel rejected when people really know us. Or we settle for being unknown, meaning people don't really know us, but they love us. And so somewhere along the line, you compromise in either being fully known or fully loved. Most of us, uh, we, we're not, we don't allow people to fully know us, or if you let people get to know you, you guard yourself, and as a result, you're never experienced being truly and fully loved. Why is that? Because uh, we've been rejected, and so we give rejection. We've been hurt, and so we hurt others. What fills, spills, right? And, and so what fills us is it's not just that we've been hurt, it's not just that we've been rejected, it's not just that things have gone wrong in our life, it's that something is deeply broken inside of us and what's broken is that we're separated from relationship with God because of a sin curse, a spiritual curse, sin, that separated us from relationship with God, which means we never feel home. We never feel like we belong, we never feel like we are fully known or and fully loved, and so we are always looking for something that we cannot find. And so we fill our hearts with all kinds of stuff, but it's never enough. And, and then that spills into affecting our relationship with others. So we're hurt, and so we hurt. We've been betrayed, and so we, unfortunately, we turn on others, or we don't let people close to us, and we don't enjoy true, meaningful, authentic relationships, even in our own family but God, right? The, story, the, the reality is that because of sin, it, we don't just not belong in relationship with God, right? Where we're rejected because of our sin curse, we're headed toward a forever without God. We're always outsiders, but God. He intervened in our story, and there's this incredible moment, and you wouldn't see it if you just opened your Bible and you read the book of Luke chapter four, where Jesus is quoting this passage in, in Isaiah, where he reads, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What you wouldn't know unless you went back and read that passage in Isaiah is that Jesus left something out. If you read that passage, would it, would it actually, the way it reads in Isaiah is, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? And he goes through this list, and he goes, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God. Which sounds scary, right? When Isaiah is writing it, he says there's gonna be a year of jubilee and a day of judgment. Why does Jesus leave that out? Here's why. Because Jesus was creating a gap between his favor and his judgment. You could say there's a 2,000 year gap between his favor, his mercy, and his judgment. But it's actually more than just a 2,000 year gap. What I mean by that is when Isaiah is writing, he says there is a time when God will bring judgment, wrath against evil. He's gonna, he's gonna put judgment against sin. And so what Jesus did was he created a gap between God's favor and his judgment or wrath against sin, and then Jesus stepped into that gap. He filled that gap. How? We deserve an eternal death sentence. We deserve the wrath of God against sin. And so Jesus stepped in, 
absorbed the wrath of God against sin. He took on the day of the vengeance of God and he absorbed all of the judgment that our sins deserve and he absorbed that. When Jesus died, he was absorbing the day of the vengeance of God. He was absorbing the wrath of God against sin. He died in our place. And when Jesus died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven and given new and forever life because Jesus not only died, he rose again. And in his resurrection, he rises triumphant and victorious with this throwing his arms wide open saying, welcome home. And in that moment, there is a separation, there is a gap between God's favor You receive a year of jubilee, slaves freed, debts canceled, um, what was lost restored fully, and then there's a gap between us experiencing God's favor and his mercy and his judgment. And Jesus filled that gap so that anyone who believes in Jesus is both forgiven and given new and forever life. Can I just pause right now and encourage you? First, what's filling that gap? Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And so whether you feel it or know it or not, there's this impending judgment coming. But if you believe in Jesus by faith, he wants to give you that welcome home invitation. So can I encourage you, would you just, would you put your faith in Jesus right now? Would you pause and just say, God, I, I believe in you. And I wanna receive your love and your forgiveness And if you're making that commitment, would you let us know? There's a QR code that's on the screen. If you go ahead and pull out your phone and scan that. Um, When you scan it, it's gonna bring you to a form that we're gonna encourage you to fill out. When you fill it out, one of our pastors will follow up with you. Honestly, to say, welcome home. And encourage you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God and become part of the family of God. And and so here's what I want you to focus. I want all of you to hear this. When you believe in Jesus by faith, God is opening the doors of heaven and saying, welcome home. You're part of the family of God. You belong. And when you belong, you are fully, you can be fully known and fully loved. From this moment, Jesus is rejected so we could be accepted. But then you go on and you read a few more stories of how Jesus lived out this moment where he's declaring the year of God's favor. What does it mean for us to be welcomed home, home to a place that's better than ever? Well, let's jump in and we're just going to kind of read a little bit to you. First, uh, in, in Luke chapter 5, there's this story where now Jesus is going to begin to invite people to become part of his team. And so there's this conversation with this guy named Simon Peter. Luke chapter five, verse eight, when Simon Peter saw this, uh, Jesus uh, comes to them and the guys are out fishing. Jesus tells them to cast their net on the other side. They catch this huge catch of fish. And then there's Simon Peter who's like, whoa. When he saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me. I am, Lord, I am a sinful Man, then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. He goes, you know what we're gonna do? I'm gonna invite you to become part of what I'm doing. I take outsiders 
and I make them insiders. I'm looking for the people that others have rejected. And so when you're living this out, when you think about what it means to, to have a welcome home attitude, a welcome home community, when the, when the church takes on a welcome home mindset, here's what we do. We choose the outsiders and the overlooked. Church is not designed for the elites. It's not designed for the religious who've got it all together, who look the part and act the part and they know how to pray the part. No, 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 church was meant for exactly the way Jesus said it. He, he, he opened his life and his heart and he said, I've come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is for the outsiders, the rejected, the hurting. It's for people like Simon Peter, who when they meet Jesus, they throw themselves on the ground. They say, get away from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. And Jesus goes, no, 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 come with me, and together we're gonna go fishing for other outsiders. So he takes outsiders, he makes them insiders who go fishing for other outsiders. God is looking for and choosing the outsider. He's looking for and choosing the overlooked. You, you might feel like you're an outsider and you don't belong. No, 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 I got good news for you. You're exactly who God is looking for. You're an outsider. You feel like you're looking through the stained glass windows of the church. No, no, no. Throw open the doors and say, welcome home. You belong. And when you come in, you can be fully known and fully loved. And then God is looking for the overlooked. Maybe you're, you're like, man, nobody knows my story. Nobody understands my pain feel like nobody sees you, nobody cares. I got good news for you. God sees you, God notices you, and for that reason, the church sees you, the church notices you. There's a place for you to belong. We're looking for the overlooked. There's a place for you, and here's what happens. When you're an outsider who becomes an insider, you have eyes that notice other outsiders. That's right, you become a fisherman for outsiders, and when you feel overlooked and then you're noticed by God and then you're noticed by the community of faith and you begin to feel noticed and heard, guess what you do? You give extra attention to others who feel overlooked. So if that's been your story, guess what your mission is? Become part of the team of individuals who notices others who looks for the overlooked. That's right, that's part of your gift. Let, let's jump into another story. Just a few verses, in fact, the very next uh, passage is Jesus, he, he's walking, he, he meets this guy. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, so leprosy is a sickness of the skin where the body basically is slowly decaying. Uh, it's a frightening disease because it eventually kills the person because their body becomes uh, numbed and, and things just start to fall off. When, it, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Je Listen to this. This is, this is important. Next verse. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left him. In, in this time, leprosy was one of the most feared diseases. Very contagious, and it kills the person. It takes time, but it kills them. So here's what they would require the people to do, right? As soon as somebody came down with leprosy, they couldn't even kiss their family goodbye. They just had to 
leave. And when they left, they would have to yell, unclean, unclean. Anywhere they went, they had to yell unclean so that people could back away and avoid them. They didn't want to get anywhere near them because they knew that they could catch the leprosy. So many times the lepers would gather in leper colonies where they could at least be near each other and kind of have a shared misery. This man, yelling unclean, comes near Jesus and throws himself at Jesus' feet. He says, if you're willing, can you heal me? And Jesus could have just said, be healed, right? Jesus could have just pronounced healing. He certainly had the power to do that. He did it in other settings where he would just speak and people were healed. There were times when the person who was sick or dying didn't even come to Jesus. A representative came to Jesus and Jesus was just speak their healing. So why in this moment does Jesus take the time to touch a leper? Here's why. Because when, you, when you're invited to be welcomed home, guess what Jesus does? He touches the untouchable. When we welcome people home, we touch the untouchable. Jesus was making a deliberate point. He was making a statement. Everybody else is gonna stay away from this man. Everyone else is gonna avoid him. But I wanna I want show you that I touch the untouchables. When I welcome people into my family, they're part of my family, they belong. He, Jesus touches the untouchables. Maybe you have felt like an untouchable. Maybe, you, maybe, you have, maybe there's um, something in your personality or in the way you think or the way you speak or the way you, know, way you act and you kind of feel like you repel people. Do you know that Jesus isn't repelled by you? And neither is the church. Jesus took the time to touch the untouchables. And whatever it is about your life, maybe it's your past, your fears, your regrets, your shame that make you feel untouchable. I want you to know that you not only belong, but that there's a place where you can be touched by God. And you know, we, we live in a, and we live in a strange time, don't we? Where even me talking about like touching feels weird, right? I mean, we just came through COVID where you weren't even allowed to be near people. And then, you know, you got all this weird, creepy, perverted stuff that makes us fear, like even me saying, hey, we can, you can be touched, sounds bad. But hey, you were designed. I mean, part of the human need is to be touched. Jesus took the time to give dignity and meet a core need in this man's life to affirm him and offer value. And I want you to know that you're in a place where you can be lovingly and respectfully touched, where we touch the untouchables, meaning we give dignity and value and affirmation to people who feel rejected and unloved. Let me, let me give you one more principle that really matches this idea of that you can be welcomed home into a life that's better than ever. If you jump ahead to Luke chapter 18, it says this about the fact that, you know, people were crowding around Jesus and then people, it says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. No, get away from here. Jesus don't have time for that. They, re they rebuked him. They rebuked the parents. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
bear in mind that now in, in our culture, children are kind of like the most valued, you know, parents sacrifice everything to care for their kids. But in this time, you had a 40% mortality rate for children by the time they reach, before they reach the age of five. People were used to losing their children. Most, I mean, you know, 40% of children died before they reached the age of five. In fact, people wouldn't even give their children a name the first week of their life because the, the mortality rate was so high. It was like avoiding attachment. If you've ever heard this shared before, I'm sorry, but I, you know, for those of you that haven't, talking about a Roman empire where children were treated as a commodity. If a child was born with any disability, they were literally discarded, taken to the, the, the town dump and just left there. I'm sorry, this is painful to hear. Uh, people needed sons, so often they would discard daughters. And then discarded children were sometimes scooped up and used in ancient human trafficking. The boys would end up in the gladiator games. Girls would end up in sex trafficking. So when Jesus is receiving babies and he's blessing them, and then he says, you know, when he says this, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to these. He's saying the vulnerable are valuable. Let me, let me repeat that. The vulnerable are valuable. Care for the vulnerable. When we say welcome home, what we mean is that we care for the vulnerable. The vulnerable don't just matter. The vulnerable are valuable. Now, let me, let me turn this to make sure I don't miss a key landing point and a key application of why I would even take the time to speak a message about, you know, welcome home to a life that's better than before, that, that we can, you know, touch the untouchables and we, we welcome the, the overlooked and the outsiders inside and that we care for the vulnerable because now I'm gonna bring it back to foster care and, and, and let's just say this, that, you know, we live in a culture that unfortunately looks way too much like the Roman Empire. And there's an incredible need in the Roman Empire, you know, inspired by the, the leadership of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the Christian church began to rise up and invite children or, or basically rescue children from death or from being brutally abused and mistreated into their homes. And that became the earliest stages or steps of adoption and ancient foster care. Fast forward to today. The church must be the leading, not just voice, but the leading um, influence of throwing our doors open and saying, welcome home. You can get involved in this. Whether that means you actually prayerfully considering how you could become a foster family, a foster parent, Maybe you're gonna go, you know, take that huge step and get involved and sign up to become a foster parent. Maybe you can sign up to uh, offer respite care. Uh, what that is, is you go, you go through the whole training process, but you may not be taking in a full placement, but you may be able to, you know, uh, offer support to us, other foster families by watching kids so that other families can get a break. There's other ways that you can come alongside of and serve our local social services. You can serve families who are uh, doing foster care. Maybe you can get involved in another one of our programs, like you know, a big brother, big sister type of a program where you can come alongside of vulnerable children um, and, and offer care and support. The point is take a step. 
Some of you, you think that this is like too, uh, too big of an ask. In the, in the letter of James to the church, he says this, you know what true religion is? Caring for widows and orphans in their time of need. This is our responsibility. We're not looking around waiting for anyone else in the community to step up and respond to this incredible need. The church must respond. And how does the church respond? Through us, through me, through you. You are the response of God to the needs and the crises, the pain and the issues around us. And these issues have names. They're real people with real lives. And in this context, they're real children who, gen who have no fault of their own, ended up in a very vulnerable spot and the church cares for the vulnerable. And we value the vulnerable. So would you get involved? Would you step up? Let me take a moment and let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, we've been invited and encouraged that you put a gap between your favor over us and your judgment against sin. And thank you that you filled that gap and you absorbed our judgment. You welcomed us home where we can be fully known and fully loved. But now, God, we know that what fills, spills. And what I'm praying is that, God, you would stir every heart to get involved in some way in caring for the vulnerable children in our communities. God, may some that hear this step up and become foster families. Some of them, may, may they become adoptive families. Would you fill our church with adopted children and kid, kids that were fostered to adoption? Would you fill our church with, with young people that were aging out of the system and now they have a support system in a family from our church? Would you fill our church God, with, with people who are lovingly coming alongside of the most vulnerable in our communities. Give us hearts of compassion that leads to action, that transforms our city. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.